Welcome to season two of COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. In these episodes, we share international stories about the pandemic around the world, what it looks like in everyday lives, as well as what it looks like from the eyes of researchers and professionals who work on the pandemic, on controlling the pandemic. This podcast is designed for information to be translatable. This podcast is designed to translate information from epidemiologists, emergency medical professionals, and those who do work on the front lines with the pandemic firsthand in everyday living and what it looks like in everyday family culture as an individual just living on planet Earth during this time. In these episodes, you will learn more about the pandemic and how to protect yourselves and others during this historic moment. So you probably are aware by now that we use Anchor.fm here on this podcast for COVID-19 PPC. And I wanted to tell you about Anchor.fm because this is actually the second uh, podcast hosting software I've used. And um, I really like it. I love how easy it is to use. I love the fact that it's free. And they have so many tools here like music and all these different options that help you record and edit your podcast either from your phone or your PC or your computer. And then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so that it can be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And then also you can even make money from your podcast with minimum, with no minimum listenership. And it's all you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're new to podcasting and you're interested in um, getting started, I recommend Anchor.fm. So what you can do is download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started um, that's my recommendation. And, um, you know, after almost a year of podcasting, I'm really glad I found Anchor just recently. It just makes things so much easier. And, uh, yeah, come check out anchor.fm. Hello, and thank you for listening to this episode of COVID-19, Public Health Policy and Culture. As you know, we talk around the world, we share stories about the pandemic and how it has impacted all of us. And today, today we are speaking to Christy, who is going to be sharing her story about parenting during the pandemic. Welcome, Christy. Hi, April. Thank you so much. It is a pleasure to be here on this uh, podcast, on your podcast. And I'm really excited to chat with you about parenting in general, the experience and what it's been like within mm-hmm. the pandemic. Thank you. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and where you're located. Sure. So I'm Christy. I actually have my very own podcast, the Vida with Christy podcast, and I am based in Toronto, Canada. So it's always a a pleasure to be in a U.S.-based podcast. Um, And a little bit about myself. Um, So I'm the mother of a six-year-old girl. She's energetic, full of life. She's so sassy and just she's a pleasure and she's such a she's a creative she's an artist that's her latest thing uh so she's she's just a pleasure um but of course with all of those uh personality traits that she has you know keeps me on my toes (laughs) so especially um you know recently within the pandemic and doing you know 
the the remote learning for her and being in school as well for part of it um it's been a big learning curve for us right um so yeah like i mentioned i am in the toronto area i love my city um it's a beautiful place uh the winters i'm not so used to i've been living in canada for 25 plus years i'm not quite used to the winters here yet but it's yeah it's a wonderful place to live Mm -hmm. Thank you. I've been to Toronto once before. I had a chance to go to the Niagara Falls. It was mm -hmm. during the winter. It was really freezing cold. Yeah. <laughs> it was nice. That's so, awesome. Yes. Tell us about how the pandemic has impacted the Toronto area of Canada lately. What has it been like? So uh, currently we're in the third wave. Uh, we're in a third wave and it's it's not good currently, um, particularly in Ontario. Um, you know, if you're familiar with the government structures of Canada, it's, you know, municipal, then by province, which we have a premier, and then Canada-wide, it's, of course, Prime Minister, everybody knows Justin Trudeau, right? <laughs> um, but within uh, Ontario itself, you know, the pandemic has impacted mostly, of course, health and then education. Um, so those two sectors that have been mostly impacted um, are government, the government that has the powers over those are the Ontario government. And unfortunately, we currently have a government that is that has just had a total lack of action um, to make sure that this pandemic um, you know, came to some kind of a stop, you know, he's more business first. Uh, so unfortunately, that has is risk, right? keeping things open as much as possible. Um, the vaccine rollout is not as effective as it should be. So currently, you know, we are, um, today I think there's 4,500 cases in the province, um, you know, and the deaths are in the double digits. I think there's 35 deaths reported today. So it's, it's really unfortunate. I mean, to be in a country where we have so much privilege, we have so much abundance of so much, but to be in this situation, you know, it's, it's unfortunate currently. Um, it felt like it was getting better. There was hope, but of course it's, I feel like the, the pandemic as a whole, it's, it's a community effort, right? So there's of course some people that are willing to go above and beyond to make sure the community is safe, keep each other safe. But then of course you have those people that are, I don't wanna wear a mask. This isn't real. This isn't, you know, this isn't affecting me. So why should I care? You know, like, so it's, it's difficult. It's difficult on many levels. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It seems that that is a very common um, theme across the world. And in terms of, I like what you said about the community effort. I think that's really important. We spoke to someone in New Zealand not too long ago, and she shared with us how they were able to manage the pandemic and yes. they were reopening to outdoor stadiums and events while we were still going through the worst times of it. And mm -hmm really the answers were just so simple and the hardest part is just getting it done. That clear message, that clear information from the top down and how difficult it has been to actually get that done in other places. I don't know how to make people care for others. That's <laughs> um, right, so yeah. Difficult. <laughs> and then, yeah, like you mentioned with business, how so many were just really desperate to open again 
but not realizing the longer term implications of that. I mean, you can open your business now and make a few more hundreds of thousands of dollars, but are you going to make it through and survive in a That's year right. from now if all half your customers are not no longer alive? Um, you know, that's not the conversation that many people were willing to have. So that's a struggle. But let's talk also about the academic side in terms of education. What has that been like in Canada or in Toronto? So, well, in Toronto, of course, you know, with the diversity, not only cultural, racial, of course, there's, you know, diversity in just education. And one of the big things that I, you know, I'm privileged that I do have an undergrad. Um, so, I'm able to analyze the research. I'm able to look at, I know to look beyond the headlines, right? Um, and most of my peers, my colleagues, et cetera, do. However, there's a few people that read it for what it is. You know what I mean? And that means that they read these spam Facebook posts right. um, that have such inaccurate information and they believe it, right? So from, you know, from, a citizen standpoint, that's where a lot of people are unfortunately getting their education from social media, right? Um, but from, you know, the government communications, because you mentioned New Zealand, you know, they made it very clear. Um, they're an excellent example, because they made it very clear that these short term sacrifices are going to be a long term benefit. Um, in this case, it's once again, the, you know, our Canadian government is telling us wear a mask. Our Canadian government is telling us, you know, get vaccinated, do these right things. But then you have the provincial government that is not communicating the way that they should. And, and it blows my mind because of the fact that I work in the communications industry, right? So I think I noticed those things a little bit um, in more detail. And it just, it blows my mind because it's not like the budget's not there. Like it's not that they're not financially stable enough to have this talented communications team, right. you know? It's just this conscious choice to not tell people to wear masks because at the end of the, like for just that just an example right the wear mask thing right um because at the end of the day those anti-maskers he's hoping for their votes right <laughs> so it's really really dangerous because you're playing this game of self-benefit against the people that you're supposed to be protecting and standing up for um so the communication hasn't really been there um i know our premier you know he was a little bit of a viral meme yesterday because he did a he's supposed to be in isolation and he did a press conference from his house and he's in tears, you know, and, and of course people, some people are feeling bad for him. You know, in my case, I don't <laughs> like, to me, like right away, I, I had tweeted yesterday, like it reminds right away, the, the Brianna's take a bow song came to mind. Cause it's just crocodile tears. You know what I mean? Cause mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you've had so much time to take action and communicate to people and really, be the person that makes the decisions for the for the safety and wellness of everyone, but it's yet to be done, right? Um, one of the biggest movements currently is paid sick days. So a lot of people are having to go to work sick because that day's work counts for them. Those dollars count for people, right? Um, so we're requesting paid sick days. Right. I'm on board with that um, because I think it is just the humane thing to do. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's just it's this community from the government we're receiving from the provincial government in particular, receiving this communication of, um, you know, 
it's kind of your fault. It's on the citizens. It's on the young people. Y'all aren't doing properly. Y'all aren't going about this properly. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, you're still keeping businesses open. And don't get me wrong. I think a lot of people think of like when I say don't lock, like we should have a lockdown automatically. They think, oh, you hate small businesses. You're not for small businesses, you know, and that's not it at all. But it's like, I want those small business owners to survive so their business can grow out of of potentially small business. You know what I mean? So it comes down to lives. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of people look at it from this short-term lens. Exactly. We're not looking at it from a long-term lens. Right. Yeah. And it's, it just doesn't make sense. So you want everything open now, but what good is it if your followers or your supporters or like huge fractions of them are no longer alive exactly. a few months from now? It just makes exactly. no sense. Yeah. So in terms of schools, what has that been like or what has the education policy looked like? Are things still open? Have your Has your daughter been able to go to school at all this year? So we had, she was in school for a little bit. So I live north of the city. So I'm in an area that's not deemed as high risk as the greater Toronto area. Um, However, for her, we, she had the option of fully remote learning or she had the option of in-person learning. Um, For us, it was a very, very difficult choice to make. But at the beginning of the year, we opted that she be in-person learning uh, because my husband and I both work. Right at home, I'm not able to provide her the support in time that she needs to be able to learn the best that she can. Um, so we decided, well, you know, it was safe, like me keeping an eye on those statistics, the numbers, etc. Um, the local, of course, local numbers in particular. Um, and it's it's scary because what even though I stay track on of those things, I think all it takes is one person at the same time right? There could be like just 10 cases in my area, but if that one person visits my daughter's school, that's all it takes, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so it's it's very, very scary as a parent. Um, you're putting a lot of trust in the system, like so much trust that your child is going to be okay. Unfortunately, my daughter's school um, has been great in, you know, making sure that the kids are distanced, making sure that the class sizes stay small, Um I think the board has, our school board has also done an excellent job in that from the little guidance that they've also, I think it ties into the communication aspect, right? Because our, my child's teacher tells me like, I find out things when y'all do, like, I'm so sorry. She apologizes to us. Like she owes us better. And I'm just like, no, I totally understand. She's like, I'm so sorry. I find out that we're going into remote learning the, like at the exact same time parents do. And that's not fair, right? That's not fair for teachers. They they had, so most recently now in the third wave, schools have been shut down. So they've been shut down since two weeks ago. Um, so it's now back to remote learning. It's been back and forth all year. And I think a lot of people really feel that children are so affected by being remote learning. They need to be physically in school. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, I agree, but I think that what's really impacting the children is that they've been back and forth all year, I think like four times, the lack of stability, the lack of scheduling, the lack, just that's what's impacting, I think, kids more than anything, right? So this is also one of those effects from the pandemic continuing, because as a society, we're not doing the work that we should be doing 
to put an end to this, right? Unfortunately, it's not difficult. What we have seen (laughs) as an example with New Zealand and other countries is you actually have to shut everything down for one month. Yes. After that, you know, because everything seems to go on this 14 day incubation period. So finding out who is infected, who is asymptomatic, whatever, after that two week period, that that all comes out. And then that second two week period where people become less uh, infectious, that viral Mm -hmm. load goes away. And it takes a full month for an entire country, (laughs) an entire geographic region to get this under control and then to control the migration of how people come in who are tested, not tested, things like that. But it just seems so, for whatever reason, so difficult for some geographic areas to do and others, it's not so difficult. Right. And what's what's really difficult sometimes for me to grasp is the fact that our first wave, we were absolutely shut down. Everything was closed, only like grocery stores and pharmacies were open. And I think that lasted for a good two to three weeks. And at that point, we were only at 600 cases in the province. And now, like I said, we're at 4,500. And, for, you know, we're a multi-generational household. I live with my dad. He still has to go to work in a factory even though we're at 4,500 cases and we're in this quote unquote lockdown because the cases are so high. But it's like when we had 600 cases, everything was actually shut down. And now that we're at 4,500, there's apparently no need to shut everything down. So it, it really, like, it's hard for me to understand that lack of common sense, you know, because it's, it really is, you're making a choice. And this isn't an accident. This is something that's a conscious decision to not shut things down. Right. And especially if we're looking at situations where not so much has changed, like you're, you're seeing those huge numbers again of people with the virus, but then yeah. also how has the vaccination projects been going? How have people been vaccinated? Is, is that making it's... any, adding any logic to this? So, so far it's going very slowly. Um, What's happening is I follow a lot of uh, medical experts on Twitter. So I've been keeping up just, I try to get that, you know, direct information. Um, So I follow a lot of medical experts and what I've seen is that yes, 80 plus people in really high risk areas have been vaccinated. Uh, so we're talking about, you know, certain geographical areas from Toronto to there's a city a little bit north of Toronto, which is Brampton. Um, those areas are really high risk um, areas. So there's been a faster vaccination rollout in those areas. However, one of the things that has been flagged in the last few days is the fact that in the more marginalized areas of the city, it has actually become more difficult to get vaccinated than in the higher income areas of the city of Toronto. So yesterday I saw a video kilometers long line of people standing out in the yesterday it snowed so they were standing out in the snow uh, waiting to get vaccinated for hours right and it's just it's unbelievable because this is a marginalized area that is much higher risk than these other areas where people are just able to you know, call in, make an appointment and do it in a way where it, sh- it should actually be done, right? Go in there safely and get vaccinated safely. So we're even seeing this, 
I guess, classism yeah. of the vaccination rollout, right? Um, so that's that's really problematic. Like I said, my dad, we're really worried for him because he's 60 plus, he's still working at a factory and he's been registered for the vaccine for a while now. He's got an appointment, but it wasn't a short-term thing. He's waiting, he's still, his appointment's three weeks away. Hmm. You know, so it's it's been very, very slow. Um, and it's it's been very uncertain, you know, and we look at the US, you know, and we think it went from Trump, who was doing nothing about it. And now so many people seem from what I've seen seem to be vaccinated. Um, and the rollout was so quick, in my like, from my eyes, from what I've seen in the media. Um, so yeah, I'm just thinking like, why can't we do that here? <laughs> why, why does it have to be also so difficult? Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been difficult. I, I know that, for example, I have the privilege of working from home and I, and I've been super careful. I'm fully like, I know that I'm one of the last people that's going to get vaccinated, but at the same time, um, it shouldn't take so long right? Like I'm being predicted of vac- being vaccinated maybe in the fall winter. Wow. And that's a really long time away. So it's so complicated even here in the United States. I think a lot of people have been able to get vaccinated, but at the same time, I still urge a lot of caution to those who are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you like suddenly invincible 100%. to getting sick. Mm-hmm. You can still get sick. Yeah, You may be less likely to end up seriously ill but there's still a virus going around and right. it's just it's interesting because here it's like as soon as people got the vaccine they're like hey I'm free to travel and go and live my life again oh my and I wish it was that simple but from what we're seeing people are still infecting others people are still actually becoming hospitalized especially the elderly who were vaccinated mm-hmm. so this is not even the answer unfortunately this is so much more complicated than expected there's no one answer to anything and it's just a long long process totally i i agree with you very much on that point um because that's another part of the communication right we're we're not receiving that communication from the government it seems like they're presenting it the ontario government is presenting it because the vaccines fall under health so therefore it falls provincial right they're presenting it to us in a way that this is the solution but we're not looking at when people are saying okay I'm vaccinated that means let's say I can go to my local grocery store and touch whatever I want live my life the way I want it nothing is stopping you from passing that virus on so grocery store is an excellent example when we pick the limes or we pick the apples that we're going to put in that bag if that let's say you're putting some apples into a bag to take them home right but then you touch some pears if that apple is infected, you've touched the apple and now you've touched the pears. And then the next person's touching the pears and touching the, the bananas. You know what I mean? So you're still passing on the virus. It's, it's not yeah. stopping. Like, you know what I mean? Even mm-hmm. though you're safe, you have to think once again, back to the community thought, like how not only can I protect myself, how can I protect my community? Because this will never stop until we're all careful. Exactly. And until the whole world is vaccinated for the most part, then we can actually start to reduce the likelihood of getting really yes. sick or you know, carrying the more severe forms of the virus, which mm-hmm. is still out there mutating. That's right. And another point that you brought up was the travel. 
like how badly I want to travel, but I'm going to sit tight, even if I get vaccinated, because we're not also people aren't thinking about the fact that they're traveling to places where the medical system in those places is swamped. So the mess, you don't realize the mess that you're leaving behind when you've had a beautiful trip to Mexico or you've had a beautiful trip to Costa Rica or wherever you want to go, you don't realize that you could potentially be leaving a mess behind because you passed on COVID to a person at that resort who passed it on to their family, who passed it on to their town, who, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. people don't realize that they, they go there because they're vaccinated, they have a good time, but you leave, a, you could potentially leave a mess behind for Yes, and that's something people. that's not being discussed yet fully. Yeah. Um, just because you're vaccinated, you can still get sick, and you can you can actually still potentially pass that around. Maybe not as much as before, but it is the truth that yes. it still can get passed yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah. So it's complicated. Very, yeah. very complicated. Yeah, but uh, tell me more about your child, and tell me more about what that's looking like, and does she have hope for? the future? How has she been doing with her, her school, her progress? So currently, you know, I, I parent from an angle of very honest, open parenting. So from the beginning, she's been very aware of we're in a pandemic. She's been very aware of the dangers of coronavirus, because I know some parents at the beginning were sharing it like it was just a flu, right? They were explaining it to their children like it was just a flu. And I think children are so much more brilliant than what we give them credit for and we need to be honest with them and we need to share with them that yes this is scary this is scary for all of us but this is serious and we need to be taking care of each other um so one of one of the points that i always uh i consistently bring up is we teach our kids kindness right we're always saying be kind we see it all over kids storybooks kindness be kind but are we truly teaching them kindness when we're not teaching them about taking care of each other? And that means, you know, washing your hands. That means uh, when you're at school, you make sure not to get too close to your friends. Even if you play, you have to be conscious of those things. And of course, it's been a huge learning curve for my daughter of the distance, uh, especially with her friends, right? I've had to teach her that if, if another friend, maybe their parents are not teaching them, I don't know. But if another friend gets too close, you have to say, please back away. I need my space, mm -hmm. right? Um, I've taught her that. Um, I've taught her to advocate for herself through this. Um, you know, when she was in school, like I said, now she's at home. She misses her friends very, very much. She's, you know, like she's six years old. So her friends are her whole world because it's the world that she knows outside of our house, right? Um, she really, she misses, for example, she misses going to dance class, art class, all those things. We found some virtual options, which has been great. Uh, however, it's, it's been tricky on her. And a lot of the times, you know, at the beginning, she used to ask, when is this pandemic going to be over often, you know, and like I said to her, it might not ever be over. It just means this is a new way of living. Right. And like I said, I'm very honest with her. I'm not ever going to say to her, it's going to be over in two weeks. Cause that's not realistic. Right. Based on the conversation that we've had um, that proves that, but 
now she's understood that part and now she's kind of saying you know when is COVID going to go away <laughs> so then now once again I'm reminding her of this COVID is it's a new illness that is now present in our lives um uh, so I get little questions from her like that, you know, and sometimes I notice her mood, she's a little bit down. So last week, she was a little bit more emotional. And it was because they had just transitioned to remote learning. So she was really missing her friends. Uh, for me, I'm fortunate enough that my I'm at a workplace where they're really, really understanding that, you know, I'm a mom, and I have to be present for my daughter when she needs it, you know, so she's in school while I'm at work. Uh, so sometimes I have to step away from meetings and such. And I feel that a part of me is a little bit hesitant to do it because I'm like, oh, will it impact, you know, how I'm perceived or my job or whatever it is that I, you know, I have to step away from meetings. Like, is somebody going to think about my performance? And I think this is a lot of quite like a lot of thoughts that a lot of parents have had, right? Especially with their careers and how this pandemic has affected with their children being at home. But I think that when we don't apologize for those things because it is part of real life then we are pushing forward this agenda of equality and equity for parents in workplaces right so a, a little voice in my head you know says oh christy maybe they're you know they're gonna think you're not performing as well as you used to etc but then i'm like no i'm a mother and this is part of my identity and that doesn't take away from my talent my effort etc in my career right so yeah it's it's been a shuffle and then I think acting that way too if there's you know any parents listening to this episode acting that way too normalizes it for other parents mm -hmm. right so when a child pops into meetings sometimes and they're like oh my gosh I'm so sorry I'm like don't apologize do not apologize like we all get it you know it's part of normal life and it does it normalizes for parents that we do have a life outside of work uh, our kids are the most important thing like in the world so we need to treat them that way right mm -hmm. so it's it's been on both ends for my daughter it's been a very challenging year full of learning opportunities uh, for me the same right as a mother uh, but I feel like one of the main takeaways is how incredibly resilient our kids are you know of course we are we often think as parents, I feel overwhelmed by all of this. I feel frustrated by all of this. We have to also acknowledge that our kids are feeling these things, right? And have that open communication between us and our children. Uh, so they're able to share that with us too, right? So it's about taking those little opportunities and the one silver lining from all of this, even though it absolutely sucks, we're in a pandemic. The one silver lining for me has been that I'm able to now spend the time with my daughter that I used to wish I could spend so bad in the past. You know, I always had that career mom guilt of I don't see my daughter as often as I do. I wish I could work from home so I could spend more time with my daughter. And that wish has come true for me in a really bizarre way. Right. In some ways right. we needed, yeah, there are some certain yeah. aspects to this that we were actually needing. We yes. were all exhausted. I, I really remember the moments before the pandemic and how exhausted everyone was with all the driving around, the traffic, the meetings. Yeah. I mean, we're still doing all of that again <laughs> in different ways. Yeah. But there was a moment where everyone was just like, I'm overloaded with my schedules. I'm tired. I'm just tired of doing all these things and going out That's there. Right. The pandemic answered 
what we all kind of needed for the time, at least <laughs> for a little while, it got yeah. quiet. <laughs> yeah, but I think we're back to a lot of the same stuff with meetings and over exhausting <laughs> ourselves. Right. I think it's it's one of those weird spaces because at the beginning, you know, everyone was making bread <laughs> and trying out new crafts and going for walks, like discovering. But now I think this year we've realized that this is a little bit part of normal life now. So we're more adjusting. Right. So um, I think it's being conscious of how much we're also putting on our plates because I, one of the things that, you know, I'm very ambitious and I do other side projects and things, but then I'm very conscious of how much I'm putting on my plate because of the fact that when I do have to go back to work, eventually I'm going to be super overloaded. Right. So it's that being conscious of just what life looks like now and what it will look like when I potentially go back to work. And I always joke around with my colleagues, I'm going to be the mopiest person in the world <laughs> on the first day back to the office because <laughs> right. I'm just having such a wonderful time at home. Oh. But yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how all this unfolds. Definitely. We shall see. <laughs> so, but thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Uh, I feel like I, traveled into Toronto today. And I've had a chance to travel to, to Canada from my own desk, from my own house. Thank you for sharing your experience and about what childhood uh, parenting uh, and childhood is like over there at this time. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been, it's been wonderful to chat with you. Thank you. Tell us more about where we can find out more about your podcast, where we can find you on social media. Sure, of course. Thank you. Uh, so all of my all of my content is on vidawithchristy.com. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at vidawithchristy and on Twitter at VWC podcast. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure.